Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Health Formation Podcast. This is Katie Trotta. I am your host. And today I am here with the fabulous Tony Marinucci. So Tony is a registered dietitian, and she has been working in the nutrition space for 10 years now. She has a blog, she has a podcast, and she has her own company called Tips with Tony. So Tony talks to us today all about her relationship with food and how her journey to a healthy relationship with food helped to shape her business and her philosophy on eating and nutrition and that she brings to her clients today. So Tony and I talk all about different tips that you can utilize in your food journey and just living a healthy life. And she also talks about her new book, I Am loving the concept behind her new book and how our relationship with food mirrors our romantic relationships that we have in life and that is just gold to me and I think that I really resonate with that so I am so excited for her book to come out so I hope that you enjoy hearing from Tony today and definitely check out her resources if you just search for tips with Tony everything comes up you can listen to her podcast read her blog and if you're interested in working with her all the information you need is right on her website so definitely check that out and I hope you enjoyed today's episode So I guess just tell me a little bit about you. It'll be nice for me to get to know you a little bit more too, um, about like your background, where you grew up, and then kind of how you got to your your path to where you are today. Sure. So it's a pretty long story, but I'll keep it brief for the matter of time. (laughs) Um, I grew up on Long Island, New York, and um, in a very loving Greek and Italian family where food was the center of everything. Um, It was their love. It was just all the things. Um, And for a while, I really enjoyed it. But unfortunately, um, I was overweight and I got teased a lot about my weight. So this led to like a lot of really dark places for me because I just made this association that my, my weight measured my worth and like anything else I did didn't matter until I lost this weight. I was not like, you know, going to be good at anything like or anything I did wasn't good enough because I was still overweight. Um, So I carry that with me into my teenage years. Um, I would try different diets. I would really just really restrict my intake, but that led to overeating or binging. And then I would exercise excessively as a way to get it out. And it was a very vicious cycle that I dealt with for a few years. Basically, it led me down this path of wanting to learn a way to eat healthier, but also, you know, I did really want to lose weight, but it was very tricky to kind of figure out like which way that was and also be happy because when I was restricting or exercising excessively, I was obsessed with food. It was always on my mind and I was miserable. And I knew that that had, that couldn't have been the way. So I decided to go to school to become a registered dietitian because I wanted to learn what the proper way of eating was. And so it was more of like a personal (laughs) decision, you know, but um, I also did like, as I started making some changes and, you know, just focusing on how food was going to make me feel rather on how it was going to make me look, I did start to notice that it was actually a lot, there was a lot more to just look, looking a certain way. Like I started to feel better. I started to look at labels. I started to make healthy swaps. I started to just prioritize my sleep and self-care. And there was something to that. So I went to school to become a dietitian to figure out more. And then that led me down this path of like who I help now, which is so crazy. So as a dietitian, I work primarily with people who struggle with disordered eating patterns or a history of an eating disorder to really help them heal the relationship with food and to recognize that extreme restriction 
question is not the answer. It's actually part of the problem. And it's the exact reason why you keep finding yourself needing to start your diet, quote unquote, all over again, you know? So um, I'm really passionate about what I do because I've personally been able to overcome um, my struggles with food and my body. And now I get to help other people do the same. So Currently, I'm owner of my own business called Tips with Tony, um, which in college started as a blog as I was just like learning things. I started teaching. Um, now, fast forward 10 years later, <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, now I get to help people through an online nutrition coaching business and I really wouldn't have it any other way. That's awesome. Yeah, I really resonate with what you said when you said how food is such a social thing, like especially in your family. And for me, I mean, obviously food is fuel and nutrition and I need to fuel my body and be healthy, but also it's so social. And I always say that food is one of my love languages. And my mom is like that too. Like if I want to do something for you, like I want to cook for you. And so it's always important to me to balance being healthy, but also still getting all of that kind of love and emotion, I guess, from food. Yeah. Well, and then that's where I tell people when you define healthy, you need to make sure that you're addressing not just your physical health, but your mental health, because the quote unquote, perfect eater that, you know, puts everything in Tupperware container and never eats whatever everything is demonized by society these days. So I don't even want to put anything in people's heads, but whatever you consider as bad, you know, and you know, they would never eat that or whatever. Um, But all, all that to say, if they're obsessed about the fact that they're not allowed to have a cookie or they're not allowed to have carbs or they're not allowed to have alcohol or coffee or whatever you were told you're not supposed to, or you shouldn't have. And they think they're eating super perfect, super healthy, but they're stressed out, super anxious and all they can think about is food in their body. And that's what preoccupies about 90% of their headspace. That's not healthy. That's not addressing your mental health. So I challenge listeners to when they're defining the term healthy to really focus on like, what does that mean for me, for my physical health and my mental health and kind of coming up with the guidelines, I guess, or your decision of what that looks like for you. And that will help guide your way a little bit. I love that. I actually, so I work with a lot of patients that have diabetes and they always ask me like, that's their first question. Like, what can I, what can and can't I eat? And I always tell them, I'm not going to tell you, you can't eat something because then you're going to fixate it and that fixate on it. And that's going to be all you want to eat. If you want to eat something, how can we fit that into an overall healthy diet pattern or pattern that's good for your blood sugar? So I love that. No, it's good. It's great to also to talk about what to add in, because yep. if you're adding in nutrient dense foods, water, sleep, you know, healthy habits, then naturally, you know, those foods that you're thinking about that you're not supposed to have or whatever, like you, you'll have them, but you'll be satisfied. You won't have crazy cravings, like, and you'll learn to have them in the amounts that feel satisfying to you without you feeling like now you quote unquote screwed up and now right. you need to like start over again on Monday. So tell me a little bit more about your business. So you said it started as a blog and now you work a lot with people who had previous struggles with eating. Can you talk a little bit more about it? I think it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So most of the women, I mostly work with women. I do work with men, um, but I think I just naturally just attract more women, maybe because I'm very open and honest about my personal story. And I think a lot of women 
resonate with that. And so a majority of the people who come to work with me have maybe have a history of like chronic dieting, uh, emotional eating, binge eating, you know, they're always thinking about food, they're always worried about, you know, the, their clothing They're right now there's somebody who is afraid to put on jeans and also was refusing to buy a new pair. And I think that that's important that we need to address and accept our body at all sizes before we can begin to change it. Because if you don't have, you don't start with that healthy relationship with your body, then no amount of weight loss that you think is going to fix your problems is actually going to fix it. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience because I became obsessed with weight loss and I always wanted like five more pounds and then five more pounds and then five more pounds because I never appreciated my body, what it was capable of doing when it was 30 pounds heavier. Right. And I think that that's really important. So I work with a lot of women who struggle with their body image, who struggle with, they can't eat without feeling guilt or shame. Um, they, you know, maybe are fearful of you know, ordering in food or when they go out to eat, they, they really don't know how to be confident in their food choices. It's either they're just getting the salad and then wishing they got the burger or they're getting the burger, the shake, the fries, the all, the, everything, and then being really upset with themselves after. And either answer, honestly, that's not healthy. Either way is not healthy because right. once again, it's preoccupying their mind. So very first thing we always do is address their mindset help them understand that really, there really are no good or bad foods. There are just foods that your body is going to feel better when you have most often. And then there's going to be foods that if you overconsume, you're probably going to feel more sluggish. You're not going to have so much energy. And so it's really identifying like what are their, their goals are and why that's important to them. And that the first couple of months, honestly, is really just digging deep of like going to the root. Like, why do you keep struggling? Why aren't you able to go? Past? It's not, and it's not their fault. It's the, we live in a culture where we're constantly being bombarded with mixed messaging. And it's just so sad, like the world that we live in and how we're just taught so many wrong things from a very young age. So we have to really like unlearn a lot of those unhelpful behaviors, you know? Um, and so we might begin with like a lot of mindset work. Um, and then we, begin, we start to kind of go through what they typically eat in a day or what they don't eat. Everything from you know, if they work out or not, like kind of going through their whole schedule, their whole daily intake, and really just slowly starting to kind of chip away and asking them where they feel most ready to make that change. And starting with everything we can, we honestly, we start like small, which most people, when they start a nutrition plan, they go all in and then fall off like a week or yep. so later. Whereas with my approach, I believe in building momentum over time. So we start with like small wins. So it might just be like drinking more water. Then the next week, it might be like getting a workout in. Then the week after that, it's, you know, putting more veggies on the plate. It seems so simple and it seems so silly, but honestly, the majority of people who go about trying to lose weight or get healthy or whatever it is that they're trying to do they often, you know, or go really hard, really fast, and then they fall off in the long run. And then any success or progress or weight loss or whatever that they've achieved, it's not sustainable. They don't keep it off. So what I tell my clients is that to work with me, it's a minimum of six months and six months seems like a long time. But when I tell you it goes like that, it, it's a blink of an eye and it's six months later. But the difference between working with me or any nutrition professional, most nutrition professionals, most registered dietitians is they're going to really help you uncover kind of why you got to where you got to in the first place and help you like form healthier habits. And so that if you have these healthy habits for a lifetime, six months compared to like years and years and years of dieting and never getting to your goal, cause you always either gain the weight back or you're still obsessed with food or whatever it is like, 
six months seems like a long time, but it is like the fastest absolute way to actually get to your goals when you're doing it in a sustainable way. Um, so a majority of what I do is help people heal their relationship with food. We focus on mindset stuff. And then we do a lot of uh, behavior modification and habit mm. stacking and really just like going through all the pillars of wellness. So sleep, hydration, movement, uh, stress management, and obviously their nutrition. Two things that you just said that I wanted to comment on. So first for the diet culture of like this world that we live in. And I feel like it's dieting is so pervasive, like everywhere. And yet our society is becoming more and more unhealthy, despite the fact that like more and more of the time we're thinking about dieting and what's good and what's bad. Um, and it's just really interesting. And I, I mean, I think about when I tell my students, it's easier to be unhealthy than it is to be healthy. Like our set default of our environment today puts us in an, I think, an unhealthy way of eating and an unhealthy like pattern of life, even with the five pillars of like movement where we're, our default really is not to move. Like you have to think mm -hmm. about movement and mm -hmm. like bit mm -hmm. stress. Our default is being busy, not being mm -hmm. mindful of your, how you're feeling and your mental health and all that. So I think that's interesting. And then was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, for the small changes that you talked about, I also love that because you want it to be something that you can sustain for your whole life, right? So if you're doing a diet, that to me in your head thinks of a short time, short amount of time that you right. are going to try to work on that. But if you are trying to be healthy, that's your whole life. So you want to be able to make changes that are sustainable over time. And then that just becomes part of like what you do. Yeah. And also flexible because- yeah you who you are now so for example um i'm i'm 30 and i'm in a relationship but i'm not married i don't have kids okay in 10 years i might be married and have children so my way of eating now is not going to be the same 10 years from now it will be similar right so certain things that i i value i'm sure they'll probably stay the same so like for example i'm a big proponent of having three meals a day because i know personally that when i would you know skip meals it led to overeating it led to increased cravings so like that's pretty much similar to, that's for me um but who's to say who knows what's going to happen in 10 years so maybe like the certain portions of my meals like the ratios of what i consume my my taste buds might change who knows you know maybe one of my kids develops like a food allergy or an intolerance. And so it's just easier for us to just like cook a certain way. Like, because right. like, there's just so many factors that can come up. I could, I hope not, but who knows? I could develop high cholesterol. Sometimes it's a, it's a hereditary thing. Like I could eat the best way and still yeah. have, you know, something like that. So I might have to change it up. So, but the idea is that the plan in which like, so when I work with clients, when they graduate, it's not like they're done trying to live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. They're just set up to know how to navigate and how to change on the fly when maybe those certain situations are not available to them. But I loved your point. I do want to go back a bit about how we are, we do live in a world where, you know, it is easy to, it's easier to sit than it is to move. It's easier to, you know, take something and not, not that you can't have things that are packaged because they're totally fine, like packaged and processed foods, right. but obviously the effort to prepare fresh foods, there's an effort there. And so the other thing that I often tell my clients is that by choosing to live a healthier lifestyle, you're actually losing, you're actually choosing to live in the minority and nobody wants to be in the minority because they don't get treated the same. And it's a lot harder 
Um, but you got to fight because you know that this is going to benefit not just yourself in the long run, but the generations after you. Um, and also the more you move and the more you get into these habits of preparing healthy food and just like living a healthy lifestyle, managing your stress in a way outside of, I love that example. I don't think people recognize that of like being busy, like trying to create more for you to do when you're stressed, when we need to be doing yep. less <laughs> when we're stressed. It's so yep. common. Um, but that's like a really good example that like, once you actually start to get through that discomfort of actually, you don't have to do anything sometimes. Like it's okay to just kind of sit there and just notice your thoughts and take some deep breaths and just let this discomfort pass. And if you do that, you probably won't be emotionally eating as much. You probably won't be binging as much and it's all connected. Um, and it's hard. It's really, really hard because your family members or your friends probably aren't eating that way. They're probably not exercising in that way. They're probably not managing their stress in that way. So it is difficult because you're basically choosing to be in the minority, but it's worth it. Trust me when I say it's worth it because and you, you, it will have a ripple effect. It will affect others. And my hope is that we live in a culture eventually that's not so written by diet culture. And it's really more so people just tend to, you know, they're more self-aware and they do something about it and they take care of themselves and taking care of themselves is a new, it's not, it's no longer diet. It's no longer trendy. It's just, we're, we're humans. We have bodies, we have minds and we want them to last for a long time. And we want them to last optimally. If we can, things will happen. But, you know, if it's in my power, we only get one body. We only get one mind, you yeah. know? So I choose to take care of it the best way that I know how. This is kind of a little bit of a veer from what we're talking about. But one thing that just sparked in my mind when you were just talking is one myth that a lot of people think is that eating healthy is more expensive. Mm. And like, you have to spend a lot of money to be able to eat healthy. Mm. Whereas if you are going out and getting smoothies and like buying prepared or going and get like a salad at a salad bar, you are going to spend more money on that than if you go to McDonald's. But if you're at home cooking the food, it's not more expensive to cook a healthy meal as it is to cook and or get something that's unhealthy. So I don't know. I don't know why I just thought about that, but that's just one thing that I feel like I'm always trying to like dispel that in people that think if I'm going to have a healthy lifestyle, like I don't have money for that. Right. But you don't have exactly. To. And it's those, and even if you really, really are struggling financially, I do understand we're in a pandemic. Some people might have lost their jobs. You might be on unemployment. Sure. You might like, even if you are, even like if you can only afford canned vegetables, right. Or canned goods, you can just get the low sodium or the no salt added canned veggies. And they're just right. as nutritious, right? Like you can get frozen veggies, which if not they're you know, the, the flavor and the taste might be a little bit different, but they're just as nutritious, if not sometimes more so because they're just picked and frozen, right? So there are definitely ways to navigate it. You just, you know, you just have to do your, do your research, you know, talk to a registered dietitian, ask for help. Um, there's many ways to eat healthy on a budget. And then the other part to that too, is even if it was a little bit more money, you have, we have to stop thinking about everything is so immediate. We're only thinking about like what's going to happen in two minutes. Right. But if we really start thinking about our long-term health, if we get 10 more years on our lives because we chose to, you know, eat more veggies and drink more water or whatever, you know, like 
that that is going to, you know, and we'd had more quality rich life and we didn't have to pay for the hospital bills and the medications, like some diabetes, you, I know you work with people with diabetes, like some diabetic medications, especially insulin. Oh my God. It's ridiculous how expensive that is, even with insurance, you know? So like say $500 a month, like put that, you don't even need that much to eat healthy on a budget, but like put some of that money into your groceries and think about how it's going to affect you in the long run. Um, and it's just, it's so much worth it. Also, if we even are talking about the short term, like for me personally, like, I don't think you could have put, put a price on, like, I remember I used to always, I always ate past like uncomfortably full. Like I always just like, didn't feel good after eating. I always had a headache. Like, you know, there was just so much of when I ate, like I, there wasn't a day at some, one point in my journey, there was not a day that went by that I didn't not feel good from the, my food choices. And so to me, mm-hmm. now that I know how it feels to not have to suffer like that, like you can't put a price on anything for me because it's my mental health, my physical health, like my energy. So to me, it, I like whatever I need to do, whatever I need, whatever, like I'm, I see that it, it matters even in the short term. And I think once, once you start to make those choices, make those changes, you'll start to notice the change as well. And something else too, piggybacking off of what you just said for like, you're adding life, obviously, or length of life to when you're eating healthier, but you're also adding back in your quality of life and adding life to your years, because in a society where everyone has a chronic illness, like you said, it's, you're in the majority if you have a chronic illness and I heard someone phrase it one time that we're just, once we age, we're just dying slowly over 20 years where we're just managing chronic conditions and we're not healthy. We're not like full of life and vitality. And you want, I mean, if you're going to live to me, you think you want to be able to just enjoy your life and do what you want. And like, you have to think about that when you're with all of your choices. Like, even if right now it's going to take more of a sacrifice, that's going to benefit you mm-hmm. exponentially down the road. Mm-hmm. So totally. Okay. I think you maybe already answered this and I, th- I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, so if you have someone that's listening to this where they maybe feel like they could benefit from like a dietitian or they want to make some changes that are to make their lifestyle a little bit healthier. What are some like easy places that they can start or like kind of low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. that people can try to change in their own life to maybe get on the path of a healthier lifestyle? Definitely. Um, So the first thing I always say is, you know, like going back to what I was talking about, like for me personally, I think eating three meals a day really helps me. I think that helps with a lot of people too. Some people might argue that it's not for them, but I think the majority of us, and like, you have to remember, I work with people who struggle with binge eating or, you know, disordered eating patterns and, you know, they're not in touch with their hunger cues. So I often recommend starting with making sure you're eating, you know, a balanced breakfast within two hours of waking. So maybe if you're not hungry, right when you first wake up, you know, maybe you are an hour later, but definitely don't miss it. Most people in the morning are either not eating breakfast or when they eat something, it's something super small. It might be um, a piece of fruit. It might be, they consider their latte, their breakfast. It could be, I don't know, like a pastry or something like it's there. And there's nothing wrong with all of those things. It's just a matter of, if you really want to stop, if you really want to stop the cycle of the overeating at night or the binging at night, you know, which is also the reason why you're probably not hungry in the morning, you got to start with a balanced breakfast. So incorporating some sort of protein, I think is super helpful. It will help with your hunger cues. Um, it will help you feel satisfied for a little bit longer and at least get you to lunch. 
because I know a lot of people skip breakfast because they're like, once I start, I feel like I'm still hungry. I like, then I can't stop. So like they hold off as if hunger is a bad thing, which is another issue, but sorry, I go on tangent sometimes. <laughs> we're human and we're like any other mammal, like when your dog's hungry, you feed them. <laughs> you don't just say, right. no, you're not eating. Like then the dog knows when to stop eating. They eat and then they stop. So I think starting with a balanced breakfast is super helpful. So for some people, um, if you can do dairy, it's like a Greek yogurt or cottage cheese. Um, if you're not able to, you know, and then, that, and then that would be paired with like a piece of fruit or a nut butter um, of some kind, or it could be like whole grain toast with maybe some eggs and like lettuce and tomato. And like, like, it doesn't need to be something small. Like it could be pretty, it could be decent. It could be, my classic breakfast is um, oats with protein powder and blueberries and some ground cinnamon. I think it's delicious. So it could be whatever it is, but making sure you have at least three food groups present, that's how we know it's like a significant meal. So if we're doing the eggs, that's a piece of a protein. If we do it on whole grain toast, that's a starch um, or a carbohydrate. So that's gonna help with your energy levels. Um, and then something something with some sort of nutri um, nutrition that's like a little bit more powerful. So like um, lettuce and tomato, so like a veggie of some kind. And so like, that's just an example one example of, I think it's for someone to start, is just like start by eating breakfast. And then that actually, you'll notice that you actually start to get hungry for lunch then you have lunch and then you're not ravenous when it comes to dinner. And then you're not having all right. of these cravings that you're like, I don't understand why I can't just eat healthy. And like, it's just like, if you're eat, if you're giving your body what it needs, it's not going to yell for what it wants. Right. So it's like, give it right. what it needs. And then when you want something like, you know, cheese, um, I don't know, like a pizza or cheeseburger, something you probably consider as like less healthy or unhealthy. Like, you know, to have, you can have that. And then maybe you have it with a salad and you feel good with that. It's not like, oh, I'm not allowed to have that. And then you go off and you just have a lot of it, you know, it's just being mindful of that. And if you are doing that, then that kind of avoids like you're driving home and you're starving and you just like go through the first drive through that you see because you need to eat something because you haven't eaten all day. And you maybe don't have any food in the house or you don't feel like cooking whenever you, cause you're starving. Right. So if you're doing eating throughout the day, that kind of helps with that right. overeating or binging at dinner time, which I also struggle with that because I just like eating dinner yeah. <laughs> and you get busy and then you're tired and then you're stressed and then you're just like grabbing things and like, that's okay yep. sometimes, but if it's happening all the time, um, then it's probably not going to help if you, and if you have a specific goal in mind, it's going to be really hard to get to that goal. Um, so, but that was actually a really good point. Cause the other thing that I get people to think about is like, just prioritize grocery shopping or some sort of meal preparation. You don't have to do a crazy meal prep. Like you don't need to have everything like perfectly portioned in Tupperware containers. But when you cook dinner, think about cooking intentionally to have leftovers for maybe your lunch the next day or to have leftovers for dinner. And like, you can do something different with those leftovers. So say you make, you know, grilled chicken, which is like so common. So you make grilled chicken and you have it with maybe, I don't know, um, rice and veggies, like let's say for dinner, then you could take that grilled chicken and add it to a salad kit and have a salad kit for lunch. Then for dinner, you can take that chicken, you can cut it up and um, saute it and maybe add it to like a taco for like taco Tuesdays, right? So like you can do something different with it, but just cook in large batches and cook in large quantities. I can't tell you how many women that I work with that are single, or maybe it's just like them and their partner. And they're like, it doesn't make sense for me to make all this food. It's like, why not? why not cook once clean once and eat four yep. or five times like 
So often I have my clients like at least prepare, think ahead and try to prepare, you know, like maybe on a Sunday or Monday, it depends on their schedules, obviously, but like a Sunday or Monday to get them through to at least Wednesday or Thursday, then review, what am I doing this weekend? Like, what do I have on hand? Like, what do I need to cook? And it might not have to be as much as they did in the beginning, but they still need to cook some stuff to have it on hand. And so I tell them to always make sure they're preparing some kind of a protein, some kind of a starch and some veggies. And so that way it can be like chicken, fish, pork, steak, whatever the leaner choices most often are best. And then their starches could be, you know, in a veggie form. So like a sweet potato, a baked potato, um, butternut squash, corn, peas, or it could be like rice or pasta or, you know, beans or anything like that. And then it could be um, their veggies. And that's where very often right now we're recording this. It's winter. Um, where I am, it's, it's, it's very cold. So I'll tell them to just do like a whole like sheet pan of like roasted veggies and like maybe even two sheet pans if you need. And it seems like a lot of work, but it's going to save you so much weight, like work in the long run. Right. Um, or maybe even doing like a veggie soup or something. And that can really go. That's also good for somebody on a budget too. just get a lot of veggies, throw it in a soup, so and it'll last for a long time. Yes. I live by meal prepping. I would not be able to have a healthy like lunch every where I work is in a really rural area. So there's nothing around here. There's like Bojangles, which is unhealthy chicken biscuits <laughs> and McDonald's and Taco Bell. And that's pretty much it. So if I don't bring food with me to work, I'm in trouble. Mm. So that's one of the things that I start out with my, cause most of my patients obviously live here. So I try to encourage them to bring something. And I always ask that question too, which I l- learned this throughout the time of like m- me seeing patients that is one question I ask people is how often do you go to the grocery store? Because that gives you like a good indication of how much they're cooking. And then if they are going to the grocery store, like once a month, then they're probably not getting a lot of fresh foods right. because they're going to be bad by the time they go to the grocery store again. So right. I usually do this podcast with someone else. His name is Marcus and he is a student athlete and he added this question in and it's something that we've been talking about we talk about this kind of a lot, but people's obsession with protein and how everyone always thinks if I'm eating more vegetables, where am I going to get my protein? So I eat a, I eat a predominantly vegetarian diet. I don't have any problems getting my protein in. So what do you think? I don't know if you want to comment on that, or I can ask you a more pointed question. No, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I do think that protein is important, but just like carbs are important. And just like that is important. I think all of our macronutrients are important and it always is dependent on the goal. So I do believe getting, you know, having protein at every meal is going to help you, whether it's plant-based or animal-based or whatever, it's going to help you with your cravings. It's going to keep you fuller for longer. Um, and especially for athletes, it's definitely going to preserve your muscle mass. Um, so that way down the line, you can make, sustain that long-term. So also, if someone's trying to lose body fat and they're on a weight loss plan, we want to make sure that when they're losing weight, it's not coming from their muscle, right? So we do want to make right. sure that we're in consuming adequate protein. So it helps preserve that muscle. So um, all that to say, whether you choose to get your protein from tofu or tempeh or chicken or fish, you're still getting a good amount of protein. So 
What I recommend for most of my clients, um, and you have to remember, I work with a lot of people who struggle with cravings and emotional eating, and they are also trying to um, lose or at least maintain their weight. So I do prioritize protein for them to have about 20 to 30 grams at each meal. For some of my clients, they're vegan or vegetarian. So for them, it's going to look different than some for somebody who eats meat. But either way, as long as you're getting 20 to 30 grams of protein at each meal, that's going to bring you up to, you know, anywhere from like 80 to 90 grams, you know, and if you have a, a nutritious snack, maybe even hundred grams, I think that's good. And that's plenty. Um, I do recommend a little bit more for athletes, but in general, I think, um, it also depends on your age, your height, your activity level. Like there's so many factors. Yeah. I do know that there's a lot of people that believe in like one pound, um, one gram of protein per pound, pound. that is a lot. Okay. (laughs) And probably not necessary. Um, and then it kind of pulls you, then it's really hard. If you're, especially if you're someone who like counts your macros. So now you're counting your protein and you're counting your fat and you're counting your carbs and you have this protein goal of like 150 grams of protein, but you're also supposed to like limit your fats and limit your carbs. Then eating plant-based becomes very challenging. And then it's like, why is eating more plants hard and why is that not considered healthy? You know, so that's where it gets Mm -hmm. a little complicated. So I do believe protein is important. I think that the best plan of action is one in which you feel like you can stick to and one that you enjoy. So if you feel like you're having to like do all the things to like, you know, you're eating grilled chicken when you rather be eating like a veggie burger, like there's an issue there, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's what I'm yes, looking for. <laughs> I just think, like, I find that people get fixated on it. Like they're not going to get enough protein, but if you're eating a balanced diet, even if it's plant-based, you're going to get enough protein. Like, of course, if you're broccoli at every meal, that's going to be a problem. But if you're integrating in beans and tofu and other plant-based forms of protein, you're going to get enough. Right, right. And it's, but it, it definitely depends on the individual because sometimes yeah. they're, they might not be, they might not be eating any sort of proteins. So I know a lot of people that go like vegan or vegetarian, but then they never eat beans. They never eat tofu, you know, they're right. not thinking about it. So will they really right. develop like a deficiency? Probably not. It's really hard to become like deficient in protein. Will they have like suboptimal right. levels? Maybe, but that's also could be anybody, even if they're a, a meat eater, but they like, they don't classify themselves as a vegan or vegetarian, but they just like, don't have balanced meals, you know? Right. So that could be, and that's where like any, with any macronutrient, you probably have somebody who doesn't have optimal levels of either or. Right. So that's why balance goes back to balance. Exactly. I just wanted to see, to talk briefly about the different fad diets and your thought on different fad diets. I I guess we can maybe start with keto (laughs) because I traditionally don't find keto to be the best, but I was, I don't know what your opinion on that is. I know And I know that it works for some people. I just feel like long-term it's not the healthiest option because you need fiber and carbohydrates to live a long life. And it's important for your gut health and your gut functioning. So I don't know, that was, that's my opinion on it, but I'm speaking lightly in case you (laughs) feel differently about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think like as a dietitian, I have to be open to anybody trying anything. And my recommendation to anyone is if you're going to try something, be introspective. Don't just hope that 
oh, this didn't work for me or this worked for me and now I have to marry the diet, you know? So I'm in the process of, of writing a book actually that has to talk, that talks about Ooh. the differences between, you know, the parallels between dieting, dating and romantic relationships and how we tend to treat them both the same. And so we're so fixated on, you know, personally, like I was like, if I, if I was dating someone, they had to be my, my boyfriend, which means they had to be my husband, which means like I had to be with them forever. And so I would, I would basically misconstrue, misconstrue, excuse me, like compromise with sacrifice. And I sacrificed a lot of myself and I really wasn't be listening to, you know what, maybe this guy's not a good fit for me. Like, you know, but I was just so fixated on like, this needed to work. He has to be the one that I ignored all of the red flags. And that's what happens when someone diets, they are like, they want the way they want to lose the weight. This has to work for them. And so they don't realize that, you know, they haven't had a bowel movement in two days and that's not normal. They don't realize like, oh my God, like me being hangry, that's not normal. They don't realize like the fact that I feel like I can't eat a piece of pizza or pasta without stressing about it. Like that's not normal. And they just kind of accept that as normal or reality. And so now they, to them, keto works. That's it. It works <laughs> because this, it, I never lost the weight. So you know, it's for me, it was like, oh, I have a boyfriend. So like, but like, am I happy in this relationship? Like, is this actually something I can stay with my the rest of my life? So I'm very with you on the fact that I do not believe keto is good in the long term. Um, and I would, I would love for everyone to just like skip over it and realize like, listen, it's, it's not going to work out. Um, but I also am aware that sometimes we have to go through it ourselves um, to really learn those lessons. So I will gently remind anybody who's listening that if you do have tried keto or if you tried to do it, or honestly, most fad diets, like just really like be honest with yourself. Like, is this really working for you? Like it could be okay. And so like the one example I give in my book is like my first boyfriend, like he was okay. He was a great, he was a good guy. Like, but he just wasn't for me. And like, that's really, we have to have those questions with like the things that we're, we're, we're trying. And especially with dieting, it's like, you can take parts of it. So maybe you, maybe for keto, maybe before keto, you never really noticed like sugar content, right? So maybe you were having, you know, frappuccinos and, you know, iced teas and candy, whatever it is. And like, now you started to actually read your labels and you start to realize like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize how much sugar was in there. And now, you know, you're realizing keto is not for me. That doesn't mean that we go back to having all of those things. It's just recognizing like, I can put carbs on my plate, but like, maybe I should think twice when I want to have like an extra large Slurpee, you know, like something like that, you know what I mean? So it's like, at least if you're going to keep dieting and, and it's like, like I say with dating, like if you're going to keep like experimenting, do it to learn what you really want and create something that's going to work in the long run, rather just, just like kind of trying and be like, oh, this didn't work. Got to try something else. Oh, this didn't work. Got to try something else. And then, you know, if not, you're going to be you know, dieting the rest of your life, just like you'll probably be dating the rest of your life and never really finding something that's good in the long run. That's so interesting. How did you come up with this book idea? I love that. Uh, well, it was first, my, I just, um, a year ago, I did my very first TED talk. So it was yes. first a TED talk. Um, and then okay. I realized like I only had every TED talk is a different length, but mine was only eight minutes. I was only allowed eight minutes on the stage. They had a lot of people that day. So in eight minutes, I like had this concept and I'm like, I can't put everything. So I had to like pick and choose what I wanted to have in the talk. And then I realized like, there's so much here. There are so many layers, yeah. you know? Um, and that's personally too, like 
for me, once I figured out my relationship with food and I, and I figured that out, I still quite honestly didn't figure it out in the dating department. And I kept dating these wrong, these guys that just like, were not good fits. And I never once like stopped to, you know, question it. I kind of just like kept dating the, I say it in my Ted talk, like five versions of the same guy, just with a different name and a different face. And like, that's what diets are. You know, keto is no carbs, high fat. Atkins is high protein, low carb, moderate, whatever. Like they're all the same. They're all like just taking whole food groups and making you fearful of them. Like they're not balanced. None of them are balanced. So they're all very similar, but they're not for you. Any of them are probably not for you. Any diet out there to be honest, there's no one size fits all approach. So anything that you try, like there might be components to it that you can bring into your own individual plan. And that's what I teach my clients. Like I have them like go back into their archives. Like you've done probably, they've done Noom or Weight Watchers or, you know, they've done all the diets. So it's like, okay, what parts did you like? For some of them, they like tracking. For some of them, they hate tracking. You know, for some of them, they liked not eating too close, you know, maybe they tried intermittent fasting. And so maybe we don't go as stream as they've tri- tried before, but maybe for them, they recognize that they don't have these crazy dreams when they eat too close to bedtime. So we talk about that. So like, there's ways you can modify it without you feeling like you have to classify yourself as I'm a, I do keto or I do intermittent fasting or, you know, I do weight watchers. It's like, we, we so badly want to put labels on ourselves when I'm just trying to teach people like, yeah. There, you are unique. That is your superpower. Why are we trying to put ourselves in labels and limit our, our, our abilities to do anything? Like you could just be somebody who, you know, eats more vegetables and you eat more plant-based, but you don't have to be, I am plant-based or I am vegan or I am vegetarian. Like you can, yeah. if that's important to you and that's a lot with your values and it helps you to, you know, clarify what it is that you need, but it, you know, and if there's like flexibility within it, but if it's just to like feel like you need to be a part of something and you need to like label yourself so you like you yourself know what choices to make, there's something there that we need to discuss further. Right. Yes, I love that. I'm excited for your book. When's it gonna come out? Thank you. Um, hopefully this year. It will come out this year. It's almost okay. done. I I'm like, I mean, I am getting in my own way, to be honest. <laughs> I, it's really, it's really hard to write a book, but the crazy thing is I've actually done it and it's actually done. And I just need to oh. edit everything. I've been writing it for two years. Mm-hmm. Like I, it should have been done. It should have been out in the world by now, but I just, I don't know. I, it's like perfectionism. I, I don't know. I feel like it needs yeah. to be perfect. So there's, and also I'm self-publishing, so there's no deadline. Whereas like the TED talk scared the crap out of me. And, you know, I got, you know, I felt like the speech had to be perfect and whatever, but then, you know, the date was set for, this is the day that it is. So you show up and you do it. So I'm struggling to be honest with like that component, but I have no deadline. I have to create a deadline in my head. So it could just be out in the universe. Um, yeah. Yes. So it's almost done. I just have to, I'm going through like the final edits and, um, you know, just making sure it all flows properly. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. Okay. So I guess my last question is if there are some like myths or anything that you kind of things that I guess I would say for me that irk you that people believe to be true, that aren't true, that you would like to just kind of clarify what would the do you have anything like that or what would that be Um, the first one is that something has to be organic to be healthy that really bothers me 
conventional fruits and veggies are just as nutritious as organic fruits and veggies. And unfortunately, not, you know, going back to eating on a budget, that's probably another misconception. It's like, oh, it has to be organic. And then everything that's organic is double the price. And so then it, you know, people might not choose to that. But so you don't have to eat organic veggies or fruits or anything really for it to be a healthier option for you. Um, so that, that kind of irks me a lot. But you should wash your veggies and fruits <laughs> after you buy them. Oh yeah. I mean, that's any, that's, that's anyone you should, okay. yeah. Wash Organic your fruits, energy. wash your veggies. Absolutely. Um, I don't know why people that they don't need to. I, that I'd ever heard. You know what people do do? They do wash their chicken, which you actually spread bacteria if you I wash it. So just use a paper towel just to get the, you know, whatever, but you do not yeah. need to wash your meats no. it actually can spread bacteria and increase your risk of foodborne illness my biggest irk <laughs> people think that all carbs are bad um and that like all carbs are the same mm -hmm. and there's a difference obviously between a whole grain carb and a refined sugar or a refined flour um and people just kind of demonize every carb as being bad and that irks and you know what irks me more and what i was going to say which it bothers me is Unfortunately, because they're not putting like having oatmeal with their breakfast or putting a big potato with their dinner or having bread with their sandwich per se, then they're at night or at some point in their day. And once again, it's not that these are bad foods, but if you were incorporating more whole grain or uh, nutrient dense, high fiber, complex carbohydrates yep. with your meals, then you wouldn't end up eating a bag of chips and a pint of ice cream and, you know, the chocolate bar and all that, like not in the difference between someone who has a healthy relationship with food versus somebody who doesn't is somebody with a healthy relationship with food can have the chocolate bar and the ice cream and not feel guilt or shame after. And it's a choice, but the difference is for most people, if they're in that diet mindset and they're restricting their yep. themselves from having any carbohydrate at any meal, then what ends up happening as a result is impulsively then not choose. It's not a choice. It's impulsive. And it's just, and it's excessive. And it's just ironic that here you are trying to avoid carbohydrates and you're looking at the wrong types and looking at the wrong yep. sources. And now, you know what? It kind of, it's blowing up in your yep, face. I agree with that completely. Oh, also that fruit is bad for you. Oh, yeah. That irks Longest me. living population. That irks fruit. me a lot. Prevents cardiovascular disease. Love fruit. And it helps you poop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people do not poop enough. That is another thing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. True. So anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I asked you or that you want to leave our listeners with? I'll just say that like we live in a world where depending on who you listen to and who you're influenced by, like you are going, your thoughts are going to change. You're going to hear different things and it can get very confusing and it can be very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I want you to get comfortable with kind of sitting with yourself a little bit and maybe doing some journaling or just asking you, yourself some questions like, is this really working for me? Or kind of before you start something, really thinking about like, you know, six months from now, a year from now, can I see myself still doing this? And, you know, really make sure that you're surrounding yourself with credible people, follow registered dietitians on the internet. And that, you know, even if a registered dietitian, they sometimes, you know, maybe they say something that it could be a social media influencer, it could be an RD, it could be anyone, maybe they say something that triggers you a bit. And just, it's okay to unfollow people. Oh, yeah. Like, it's okay to, 
you know, like follow accounts that support body neutrality or body positivity or talk about balanced eating. They're not, you know, they don't force you down that like rabbit hole of I need to go on a diet and I need to lose this weight. And it becomes very, oh God, just very, everything's so urgent and it's very anxious and it's very like up here. Like it's just try to get out of that space because we never make good decisions when we're in now. Take a breath, pay attention to focus on how food makes you feel both in the short term and the long term and use that as your guide. And pretty soon you'll become a more balanced eater and live a healthier lifestyle and reap all the benefits of that. I love it. Awesome. Well, where can everyone find you if they want to know more about you or if they want to work with you? Are you taking new clients? So I am, um, I actually am in the process of hiring two registered dietitians to join my team. I'm very excited. Um, so the, my client load right now is limited because it's just me, but (laughs) apply because, um, hopefully they'll be trained by then who knows when you're listening to this. Um, and we're going to be working together. So it's not like you would just be assigned with that RD. It's just more or less, we're creating something where, um, it just, I want variety. I want them to get different ideas. So they might meet with me and then they might meet with the other, you know, the other RD I'm going to take on is probably, you know, I don't know who it is yet, but my goal is to have somebody that's more well-versed in um, like recipe development and like, they like, like fun, creative ways to be in the kitchen and whatnot. Whereas like for me, I'm more of, I help with people like their mindset and behavior modification and like getting to the root of their core issues. And I can help them with the creative part of like making a, a funny, fun dish, but personally, like I'm not that creative in the kitchen. You know what I mean? So like my, I'm like limited in where I can go. So I'm excited to have new RDs on board who can kind of help kind of fill the gaps and maybe these areas that maybe I'm not seeing because I'm just one person, right? right? So um, either way, if you want to work with me or a member of my team, you're part of the the whole program, you would go to www.tipswithtony.com slash coaching. There's a video about my program there. Watch it. If anything resonates with you, fill out the application below it. And once I receive your application, I will reach out with my availability to get you on a discovery call to make sure that you'd be a good fit. And if you are, I would invite you to the program at the end. Awesome. And Instagram? So I'm on Instagram at tips underscore with underscore Tony. And that's Tony with an I. I also have my own podcast as well. Oh, what's the name? The, the tips with Tony podcast. Oh, perfect. Awesome. <laughs> so if you just put tips with Tony. You should find everything. <laughs> You'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been blogging for 10 years. So awesome. If you type it, there's a lot that will pop up. I don't know what, but a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll keep an eye out for your new book at some point in 2021. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It. Well, thank you so thank much you. for joining me and doing this. This was so fun. Thank you so much. This has been great. I loved it. And I hope that you have a good afternoon and let me know if there's anything new and exciting that you want me to share with my people that you're coming up with. I would love to share it and support you. I think it's great. Love what you're Thank you so much. Thank you. I love that. Have a good afternoon. All right. Bye. Bye.